Hello, and welcome to today's Next Sense Institute podcast. My name is Trudy Smith, and I am the manager of continuing professional education at Next Sense Institute and your host for today. We're continuing our conversation on lived experience with disability and the possibilities of what happens after school. And I'm so delighted to have Jeremy Kwok with us today. Jeremy, can you please introduce yourself to the audience? Hi, Trudy, and thanks so much for having me on the show. And good morning, everyone. My name is Jeremy. Um, I'm a tax professional, so I've worked in tax for nearly five years now. I worked in the big four, the ATO, and I recently moved to the Tax Institute where I advocate the change um, for Australian tax law to work uh, better for our members and all Australians. Um, so it's lovely to be here this morning. Oh, we're so delighted to have you with us. And who, who knew that somebody's dream could be working for the tax office? It's so interesting. When you were in high school, Jeremy, when people said, what do you want to do when you finish school? Did you have a plan or a dream? What did you tell people? Absolutely. So, well, tax was definitely not the thing that I told <laughs> people back then. Um, they, I had a range of different things that I was interested in growing up. I might have told people I wanted to be a writer. Over time, I became a programmer even a lawyer. So that's evolved over time and it sort of changed with what I was interested in, um, but what also I saw other people doing that I thought was really cool. So it changed between this and that. And you can see that some of it is there today, some of it not so much, but it's been a journey where I sort of discover what I'm good at and what I enjoy doing and what I'm passionate about. Sure. Did you ever feel like there were any barriers to what you wanted to do? You know, what, what, did you, what, what were those experiences and how did you overcome them? Yeah, so I think high school especially, the first barrier was just getting marks and doing well at school. Unfortunately, the, the way that our world works is it's made for someone with 100% vision and 100% hearing. So it means when you lack those facilities, it does mean that sometimes you try really, really hard, but your marks don't turn out the right way and that can really your self-esteem and you feel like I can't really get to where I want to go to yeah and so often um I had to find other ways of doing things um but often that turns into my my strength so for example one of the things that apparently people um really like about about me is how I can talk and analyze things on the fly yeah um and that's because I had to learn a really learn to develop a really good memory to be able to pick things up really quickly. And I, I didn't realize that I was good at that until I was playing chess with someone in high school and they're a special education teacher. And they realized I was hardly looking at the chessboard, that I sort of knew where everything was, but I wasn't really looking at it. And he explained to me that <clears throat> it's probably because I remembered where everything was because my eyesight's so poor yep. that I'd have to work off memory so I'm just moving it for his sake but it's all in my mind and I asked him is that not normal he said that's not normal at all <laughs> so I sort of realized that I can hone and work on this ability of mine to turn into a strength that employers and other people would want to see which plays into my advantage in uni um, and the rest of life. Absolutely. It sounds like a real superpower. What opportunities did school and university provide to help you achieve those goals? So obviously, you had a teacher who could recognise that mm. that was a real skill that you had. Were there other opportunities that were provided to you to help you progress? Absolutely. So I had a teacher come uh, every week from, uh, at the time, the Royal Institute for Deaf and Blind Children, now 
Next Sense Institute. They came in just to teach me the skills, um, not just um, navigating the classroom and learning, but also having candid conversations with my teacher saying, hey, this isn't working. I can't see what's going on. Um, can you please explain in a different way, use more words rather than gestures and pointing and giving me that confidence to advocate for myself. Because um, I think that's really important skill. When you get to the workforce, your employees, they don't know what you need. They actually are ready and willing to support you to do your best and deliver really good work when you need to have that mind and courage to speak about what you need and not be ashamed to ask for it. And also the new schools and universities, they're so willing to accommodate for you, to give you the best education possible. So being able to have those conversations is really important. Absolutely. I mean, um, I think that that ability to speak up, and, and I really love that point that you just made about employers do want to help. They just don't know how to. And by, by speaking up and, and knowing exactly how to articulate what your needs are, I really think that makes you a more attractive employee too because you can speak up and I think that plays really nicely into your role now so can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing now and 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 the support that you're receiving to help you with that role yeah absolutely I think in a nutshell you could call me a tax content creator so basically (laughs) I I have to keep up to date with all the new developments of the tax world whether they're in Australia and overseas um, all the budget measures and think long and hard about do these things really benefit our society? How could we design it in a way to really benefit tax professionals and the tax community so it really works seamlessly and also write blogs and help contribute to podcasts as well um, to make sure that members and professionals they really know what's going on about the tax profession. And let me tell you that this is sort of the role I've always wanted to do. I love writing and sharing ideas with people and I couldn't find quite the right role for that uh, until now so honestly it's been a work in progress over many years it's, it's wonderful that you found the job of your dreams is it particular access support mechanisms or, or technology that you're using to support that jeremy yeah absolutely so at the moment i use um some magnifiers and screen readers just to make the screen more accessible to me um because of my eyesight even though i can read it's really tiring on the eyes So I prefer using a screen reader just to read um, things that are on the screen. And given that I read a lot of legislation and case law, these can be pages and pages long. It's a lot more productive for the computer to read it out to me. Mm -hmm. Um, On top of that, um, my colleagues, actually funny, my colleagues didn't realize I have a visual impairment until I told them, because I suppose I haven't met them because of the COVID situation. So, so all that they knew, I was just, you know, your average employee um, until I actually raised it with them, which I think is actually really awesome because I think often as someone with disability, you can assume that, oh, everyone's going to, you know, pick on me or not want to hire me. But really, it's not an issue for the employers. If you can demonstrate and show them that you can do the job, you have what it takes and you bring that secret source that is uniquely you. That's all they really want. Absolutely. I love that, Jeremy, the secret source. I'm, I'm carrying that into the rest of my day. I love it. Jeremy, I'm really curious about um, when you talk about how great your memory is and then you do a lot of um, your reading through auditory, through screen readers, mm-hmm. 
does that affect how well you can remember information, whether you are the reading it with your eyes or whether you're hearing it? Does that affect your ability to remember it? Yeah, so I think it came out of necessity. So I think I realise when I think back where it might have come from. Um, I actually play a few instruments. I play piano, drums, guitar and bass. And reading music is really difficult just because it's really small. And even if you make it large, having to play and read it at the same time is just not feasible. So for me, I had to memorise pieces from beginning to end so I could play like an eight-page piece all from memory. And that just took a lot of time learning. But that's the only way I could get through. That's the only way I could play music. But having learned that skill, I could then subconsciously apply to everything else. Where, um, for example, in law, a lot of our exams are open book. And there's no way I can go through and flip through all the material to find what I'm looking for and then turn it into an answer. It's not possible. So often I just have to memorize it, just read through and learn it really well to the point where we're doing an open book exam, hardly looking at the book, because that's what I had to do to get through it. And um, I think... For me, it's my memory, but I'm sure everyone out there with a visual impairment, they've got some way of doing things that they probably think I'm just dealing with life. Yep. But it's absolutely unique to them and it's innovative. And they don't realize that it's a secret talent or skill, that secret source yep. that they've got. And it's really tapping into that and realizing I can do this yeah. and using that to contribute to the world around them. I think that's really where it starts absolutely well my final question was going to be what advice would you give to a student who's blind or low vision considering a professional like yours and I think you've 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 told us it's that find your secret source find the thing that you're great at and and or do you have additional advice that you absolutely I would answer that by saying that I think we're growing we grow up and we often feel like we need to be normal but I think a lot of it is flipping the script and going, what can, what do I uniquely bring to the table that's different from everyone else? If I give you an analogy, if I dropped you right into a room with 99 other people, your gut instinct is to go, man, I'm so different and feel like that difference is a bad thing. You might go, how am I similar to the 99? How can I blend in? Whereas in this workforce, in this world that we live in, it's all about the value and the skills that you bring to the table. What can you, as that special 100th person, share to the 99 that can really benefit them and bring a smile to their face? What can you really deliver? And I think that's really what it is. The dialogue shouldn't be about what you're able, sort of, sort of you know, what you're restricted to doing. But what do you bring to the table um, that you've developed over your experience as someone with disability over years? Because you have that experience and the fact that you are trying, that already shows a depth and strength of character that a lot of other people wouldn't experience. I love that. Jeremy, this has been such an interesting conversation. And I think um, that is such great advice for, for all teenagers, not just students with disabilities, but all teenagers. And, and you know, what is it that, that you bring? And thank you so much for highlighting that for us today. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks so much for having me, Trini.